if we look at the historical behavior of Black women, that resume is fire, boo. So why do we keep trying to prove ourselves? Because the resume is stacked. You ever apply for a job and you're like, dang, I am dope. That's one of the best moments where I'm sitting, listening to somebody read my bio and I'm like, damn, you're young. Who, who that? Is she married? Like, where is she? We are back with a special bonus episode. Okay, bonus. This time around, we are coming at y'all and we're demanding the credit our culture deserves and celebrating Black women. Okay? <laughs> what it comes down to is Black women are essential to this world, both within our communities and outside of our communities. But are we really treating ourselves like we are? And how can we do better to make sure we are? So this time around, I am back with my good sisters, Chelsea Sanders and Kathleen Newman-Bermang. We want to do something special. And uh, we want to talk about what's one thing we did this week for our mental health. So I'll, I'll kick off in case you forgot. My name is Danielle Cadet, and I am the managing editor of Refinery29 Unbothered. And one thing I did for myself and for my mental health this week. It is a habit of mine. I started off my week with therapy. I kicked up my therapy sessions too weekly in this pandemic. There was a point in the pandemic where it was like, oh, gotta go, gotta come up. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta expedite those sessions. And so I started off my week on Monday morning with a phenomenal session with my Black female therapist. Shout out to Dr. Satira Streeter. And it was fantastic. And and Chelsea can attest to that because she spoke to me shortly thereafter and I sounded very zen. And- <laughs> very zen, very focused. <laughs> you were ready. So Chelsea, let's go over to you, <laughs> my sister who I tried to center at the beginning of this week. <laughs> Reintroduce yourself, sis, and tell us what you have done for your mental health this week. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Chelsea Sanders. I'm the VP of Communications and the producer on this podcast. Yes, Danielle, I appreciated that centered energy because I can use it. One thing I'm moving out of my apartment, and I'm sure a lot of people listening and even us here can attest, it is stressful. But um, last week, I started actually just culling things from my space, cleaning, preparing. What I told you, Danielle, is I'm plotting and planning. And that is exactly what I did for myself this week. And that is what I will continue to do until my landlord kicks me out. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) Kathleen from up north in the six. Yeah. (laughs) Kathleen, reintroduce yourself, sis, and tell us what you have been doing for yourself and your mental health this week. I am Kathleen Newman-Bermang, the senior writer at Refinery29 Canada. And these sessions with y'all feel like therapy to me sometimes. So I'm, I'm ready to get centered. Y'all are my personal Badooism. That really just hit me right square in the heart. Hey, yeah, every time, every time. And I'm bad. I'm very bad at the self-care. I'm very bad at... My therapist will like message me and be like, hey, where are you at? Because I avoid her. <laughs> Because as much as therapy makes you feel better, you also got to do the work. And I'm bad at that. 
But what I did for my mental health this week was on Monday night, uh, my brother and sister-in-law just moved from Vancouver to Toronto, their home. And I went over, they're in my little bubble, our little family bubble. And I gave my nephew a bath. I was like in charge of his bath time. And it was like the most grounding, beautiful. We were just like singing Alexander Hamilton, his favorite song from the Hamilton soundtrack. (laughs) But it was, yeah, it was really nice. I'm going to hold on to that moment for the rest of the week. Yeah, that feels really peaceful for me. Like something about water, children. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Oh, I, and family. Yes. That is, that is beautiful. And shout out to Disney Plus for making these <laughs> quarantine moments. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I watched 101 Dalmatians the other day. Truly. Classic. Yeah, I, cartoon I, I, version? I, I, yeah, yes, ma'am. <laughs> From like 1950-something. Like, yes. But I, I'm convinced that those dogs are on the Underground Railroad. Anyway, <laughs> um, the, <laughs> that's for another time. Rewatch that, y'all. Those dogs are on the Underground Railroad. Not what I thought you were going to say, and yet I am immediately on board. I was they not are. prepared, but yeah, sis, we're right with you. Yes. It is the Underground Railroad. I'm not even playing. I'm not even playing. I'm so glad that we started the episode that way because I think it's so important for us to make that the priority, right? What we wanted to convey with this episode and what we wanted to talk about is the fact that Black women are essential, period. I just want to say that Black women are important, are imperative, are necessary in our communities. However, that also comes with a certain level of responsibility and with burden and with an emotional toll. It's a heavy burden to bear as a Black woman. And I think oftentimes, and I can speak for myself by saying that idea that I am so important, that I am so essential to my family, to my colleagues, to my company, oftentimes leads to burnout, leads to exhaustion. I think one thing that struck me, and I know we talked about this, ladies, is everybody kind of talking about this opportunity to pause right now during this pandemic. And I've never felt the more opposite. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've even been, I don't feel like I've been able to pause at all. No, I have not been able to pause. And I get really aggravated actually when I hear that, when people are like, oh, this is really a moment of stillness and it's <laughs> quiet. Like, I'm like, for who? Because that has not been my experience. I have been, you know, not sleeping. I have been working more than I ever have and doing work in the pieces that I'm writing that have taken more out of me than ever before. We also know that both pandemics are killing Black people. And so I don't know, to treat this time as like a time off it just, it it like really doesn't sit right with me. And um. Yeah, and I think even the essential work that we're doing, it creates all these like compliments, right? Like, oh, again, like you're so strong. Mm. And we'll get to that, but like that strong Black woman archetype. And you're doing such important work. I mean, I'm sure we're all getting that in our inboxes right now. Yes, And so Mm -hmm. you kind of want to take the pride in that and say, thank you. Right. But then you're also like, yeah, but it's destroying me. I want to lean into, you know, this conversation about that strong Black woman stereotype and Mm -hmm. and how strongly we all felt like it was to have a conversation about how we need to dismantle that 
idea and we need to just completely dispel that myth mm. because the strong like this idea that we are always strong is is truly the thing that is tearing us apart. Chelsea, I know you have strong feelings about this. Ugh. You have strong feelings. Strong, strong, <laughs> strong, yes. strong feelings. I want you to being jump, jump in here. Woman. Yes. One of the things that I do think I'm thinking about is not only have I not had time to pause and not only am I on play, but I feel like I'm being asked to fast forward mm. through my, through mm. my emotions. Mm. So get through Ooh. those process that trauma in the 10 minutes since you've heard it, mm. then now go out, explain it to other people, make it feel right, make it Ooh. feel relevant, make it feel soft Ooh. and tell other people how they should feel about it. So the people and the places that look to us for that are asking me in a lot of ways to, to set my own questions or my own burdens or my own trauma aside mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is, like you said, Kathleen, it's really damaging and it's, it makes you angry and even more frustrated because we've had to fast forward so we haven't had the time to process, to assess where we should be stepping back or where it's okay for us to say, I don't feel like being strong. I don't feel like fast forwarding through my trauma. I want to live in it and I deserve the privilege of pausing. Everything you just said, Mm. Chelsea. But it also like, you think of where that strength comes from, right? It comes from that pressure and the oppression. Like it comes Mm -hmm. from, yeah, having to fast forward through that trauma. And so I just don't think that people when they're throwing that at us or the whole like black women will save us mm, thing. Mm. Why are you putting that on us? Like the only people I need to save are me and the folk that look like me. Okay. And, and even then like real talk, the only person I need to save is me. And I think one of the things that for me feels really complicated is feeling like this is such an imperative moment and feeling like this moment is fleeting and like you have to take advantage of it, right? Like this is this is the one time we're going to get this chance. This is the one time they're listening. But how good of a job can I do in pushing that agenda forward when I'm just tired? You know, mm. I think another thing that we talked about was that like our brains just are not working right now. I have multiple times in the last weeks and months stared at my computer, just like trying to find the idea, trying to find the words, trying to find the brilliant concept. And it just isn't there. And there's Mm -hmm. this weird feeling that I, you know, I'm like, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not taking advantage of the moment. I'm feeling guilty. My life is being attacked in the most holistic, violent, dangerous way. And yet I'm not only being asked to ignore it, but I'm expecting myself to ignore it. Mm. And so I think there are just some days where you're like, I I don't have it. And we don't necessarily give ourselves the space not to have it, right? Because we hear things like Black women will save us. And I think also in a lot of ways that I feel, and I've increasingly felt because a lot of what you're saying is ringing true for me too, Danielle, is that our time is not our own. Mm. Mm. And that the time that we use for ourselves is borrowed time, if that makes sense. And that we are constantly like renting space in a place that we don't own. Wow. Chelsea. 
Pastor Sanders in the house. <laughs> right. Here she goes. Here we go. I'm you. Because what I'm thinking of is all these times when you say like, obviously listen to black women that, and that will save you. Is that like, whose timeline is this? Right. And oh. whose timeline are we adhering to when yes. we get these deadlines and people set these other boundaries for us yes. that we're not able to shift. It yes. feels like people are moving the goalposts without telling us where a touchdown is. I mean, I, I, that's so real. And I have to jump in here because I think one of the things that's frustrating for me on a daily, uh, particularly at work is that like, I think what's, to your point about timeline is it's like we've been trying to get y'all to listen to us for a long time right when we had the energy Mm -hmm. when we had the creative motivation Mm. and now that we're tired and Mm. down you've decided it's time to listen to us and that's what's really frustrating about it and I find myself feeling like that a lot in my own in my own capacity professionally sometimes as I'm like I've been trying to tell you that this deserves you know priority and resources and time and energy and you want to wait until I'm completely burnt out to come to you with the with the idea and the plan and the mm-hmm. if you would listen then amen and, and I think it's it's the respect like the word that kept coming into my head when you were saying all that Danielle was respect mm. because there is this expectation of being us being the savior or our strength and all of that. But if there was respect there as well, then we wouldn't be on borrowed time. It wouldn't be like we are renting space and like we are having to capture this small little moment where they finally are listening to us. You know, I think that comes down to setting boundaries, right? Because I think one thing that I realize, and this is the thing that I, I truthfully, it is, it is a challenge of mine, but like, I always think that someone's going to know that I need rest. I always think that someone's going to see it, right? That someone's going to be like, oh, Danielle's been through a lot. Danielle needs a break. And the reality is that no one's going to do that for you, right? And, and we have to set those boundaries ourselves. But that is so hard to do, especially as a Black woman who is either trying to prove herself in the workspace or trying to gain access to opportunities. How do you set boundaries? Chelsea, you're, you're very zen today, so I want you to kick us <laughs> off with that. So I, I need help with this too, because I think Danielle, like you said, we are always operating at maximum capacity, whatever yes. that means. Yes. And... Even if it's literally the things on my list are go buy toilet paper, like go to the Apple store and Mm. make dinner. I'm like, I'm going to make the best dinner that you ever (laughs) saw in your entire (laughs) life. And it is just for me. (laughs) And a lot of the boundaries I'm finding, and maybe it's because again, I've been indoors for five months. I'm realizing I have to set them first with myself Mm. because like you said, Danielle, no one is able to read our minds. Yes. No one is able to advocate for us in the way that we are able to advocate for ourselves. Mm. That's a great point. I'm so bad at this. I don't <laughs> set boundaries. And I think that I'm starting to realize how much that has depleted my energy and taken out everything that makes me great, Mm. (laughs) I can't deliver if I don't set those boundaries. And so I'm putting an expectation on myself for greatness. But then if I don't set those boundaries and then I am not great because my brain is broken, I say that all the time, 
And like, there's little things like, I don't know if this is happening, you guys, but are you getting apologies for stuff that happened a long time ago? (laughs) Oh, God. So (laughs) I, you know, I wrote a piece about some of the racist shit old bosses have done and I got some apologies. Mm. And one boundary that I set for myself that I was able to meet was in this call, because I got this call where someone was apologizing to me. And I was like, I am not going to make them feel better. I'm not going to say thank you. I'm not going to be the strong one here Mm, mm, that mm. puts aside my feelings and makes you feel better or feel absolved or feel like I accepted this apology. Mm. Right. I just said nothing. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And that is like, I was, I was happy because I'm very bad at boundaries. But for me, that was a boundary that I set for myself where you are not going to be um, fake in this moment. That's real. That's that real. And, and that's a victory. You know, I mean, I mm. think, you know, going back to my act of, of, of self-care and mental wellness this week in going to therapy, because I was constantly talking, I was talking about, well, this is what they need from me and this is what I need to come with and this is what I need to deliver. And she was like, well, what do they need to deliver to you? Like, what are you requiring of them? If you're going, if you're going to give that, what do they have to give back? And if they're not going to give back, right? If they're not going to give what you need, if you're not going to get the support, the resources, whatever it is that you need, then you need to, you need to say, okay, well then I'm operating at this level, right? Because I think that we, we think we act like, okay, I'm asking you for this. And whether you give it to me or not, you're still going to get my best self. But the reality is, if you don't give it to me, you're not getting my best self. And you just have to be okay with that. Mm. I think it's also really hard because again, even when you say that, I understand that makes mathematical sense. I understand addition and subtraction, but the idea of giving anything less than my full self feels like I am letting people down. Mm. I'm thinking about like the people who set me up to be here and I'm just going to sit here and give 50%. Ooh, that's real. Mm -hmm. Or feeling like, to your point again, Chelsea, this space hasn't belonged to us, so we have to do more to claim it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that we need to, if if we, and this is why, again, I'm going to keep saying this sentence, Black women are essential because I think we need to step into that and we need to claim that because, we don't, you know, we're so often shrinking ourselves because we don't feel like the space belongs to us. And I am here to say that it does. And we do own the space and we do have the power. And there's not anything we have to do to prove ourselves. Because if we look at the historical behavior of Black women, that resume is fire, boo. So why do we keep trying to prove ourselves? Because the resume is stacked. You ever apply for a job and you're like, dang, I am dope. Like, <laughs> yes. You're joining a panel and it's like, they're reading off your bio and you're like, who's she? I want to be her. Like, <laughs> like, I just want us to read off. Let's read off the Black woman bio for a second, mm-hmm. right? And remind ourselves that we don't have anything to prove. Talk about talk about moments of of wellness, like, that's one of the best moments where I'm sitting, listening to somebody read my bio. And I'm like, damn, dear, yo, who, who that? Like, mm-hmm. I, is she married? Is, is she cute? Like, where's <laughs> I'm trying to wipe her. I have a crush on myself, okay? So I oh, think- Oh, I love like, that. Yes. So I think that sometimes we have to 
get out of that place of coming from, you know, coming from a place of less than, coming from a place of we don't belong here. This doesn't belong to us. It been belong to us. We just have to take it. And I and that's way, way easier said than done. Because that that like reflecting on how dope we are takes reflection. It takes mm. a pause. It takes time. I, I feel like the crux of what we're saying is is rest is complicated. And you know, there's there's a Toni Morrison quote that I saw on Instagram a couple of weeks ago that really knocked me on my behind. And it was essentially about rest and how a certain community of us avoid rest because it's kind of scary, right? There's an empty space there. And, and I do think that sometimes, you know, as Black women, we run away from that. It's so much easier to run toward being needed and necessary and essential in order to avoid that scary, empty space that might trigger some of our trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I've realized is that once you recognize that you need help, what's next, right? Mm -hmm. What is that next step? That work takes work. Yes. Right, that mm-hmm. self work is is hard, and sometimes it's easier to use work or other problems as a crutch to to not have to deal with that or to not have to face the fact that there is going to be some tough lessons that we have to learn, maybe some people that you need to let go and practices that you need to move away from, and facing that is oftentimes more difficult than ignoring it. Mm. Absolutely. And I mean, I love the question, what now, Chelsea? Because I think we've got to ask ourselves, like, you know, what resources are there? What's out there for us? I speak repeatedly about the importance of therapy. Therapy for Black girls is a fantastic resource. Social media has been such a complicated place for me in the last couple of uh, weeks or months. But I love seeing, like, you know, Black girls planting, like, and I'm not even a plant person, y'all. Like, I, I'm not. I Plants don't survive around me. But, like, just seeing that, like, it was therapeutic. I was like, you know, I'm loving that in this time, we are planting, we are meditating, we are cooking, we are going to virtual therapy, we are finding the times to do the things. So my question to you, ladies, is what now? Now that we've had this conversation, what do we do and how do we take care of ourselves and how do we set those boundaries? I mean, I think that as you were just talking, I thought of this account that I follow that makes me feel good, which is at Black Girl Rooted. And it's just like this girl and her plants. <laughs> it's incredible. There's another one. I interviewed the two founders who were talking about how white the wellness space can be, the, mm-hmm. the mainstream wellness industry. And they're called The Village. Village spelled V-I-L-L-I-J. Mm. And they do yoga. It's a yoga class called Trap Soul, Soul Yoga. Mm. Um, they do that virtually. And the other thing is, I need reminders also to allow myself to be lazy. Mm. I saw a tweet the other day because I never let myself do that. Yep. And it was um, by Lovey. I don't know if you guys follow her on Twitter. So she was just talking about how she, like, one day just took a two hour nap, you know, ignored her text messages, did all this stuff, or did nothing. She didn't do all this stuff. She did nothing. And she was like, we are enough even if we have nothing to offer anyone. We are enough even on our lazy days. 
we are enough, you are enough, I am enough. And like, whew, I needed that. That's real because rest is revolutionary, right? Like rest for a people who have not been granted the privilege to pause to uh, Pastor Chelsea Sanders' point. (laughs) Rest is revolutionary. It's revolutionary when your people haven't historically gotten to rest. And it is with that that we have gotten to my very favorite segment. And if you are a loyal listener of the Go Off Sis podcast, you are all too familiar with the Don't At Me segment of our podcast. It is our way of tying a bow on our conversation. And as y'all know, my cousin Nene Leak says, I said what I said. So y'all are not allowed to add us. It is the way that we put a cherry on top. And in the most appropriate of fashions, Pastor Chelsea Sanders is going to take it away this week. Go right ahead, sis. So I have been struggling with change, everyone. Struggling with the fact that the person I was, or even the person I would like myself to be, is not the person I am today. But over the past few months, what I'm sure hasn't changed is that being a Black woman yesterday, today, and tomorrow is a privilege. Bravery has been loved down our spines since before we were born, and that power is real. No one can take it from us. But so is the trauma, the triggered moments, and the frustration which have been passed down to us from generations. We as Black women have been taught to be strong. We've been taught to rely on the inner strength of our ancestors, all of which are amazing gifts. But here's where we get to that change again, because it's okay to be a different person right now. It's okay to make different choices than you did last week or last year, or different choices than your friends, your parents, or the people before you. It's okay to change your mind, to be selfish, to be vulnerable, to ask for help, to say no, or to pass on the things that may not work like they once did. And when you do, know that doesn't mean you're weak or that you can't handle the same stuff you once did. It just means you aren't the same person. And that's just called growth. Because strong is not the rent you pay to exist as a Black woman in this world. You don't owe the world your spirit if it means breaking it. You don't have to sacrifice your body for someone else's benefit. And sometimes, as tough as it might be, you have to let people down to lift yourself up. I don't mean give up, but I do mean give in. Give in to the fact that you are one person and that your responsibility as a Black woman, first and foremost, is to yourself. So take your time to do things your way because your life is essential and your wellness is worth it. Invest in people that give of themselves as freely as you do. Make note of those who don't require an explanation and those that do. Carve out time to do things that make you feel most like yourself. And simply go where the love is served because we know you need it because we need you here, and because we'll always be here when you get back. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Don't at me. The 
This episode was made possible by Target, an appreciation of you and all the essential Black women in our lives. As leaders in our communities, our homes, and in the world, the only word to describe us is essential. We've been here doing this work, and we know that takes work. So Target is here to champion all the ways we show up, from our boundless potential to our everlasting legacy. We are Black beyond measure, and Target wants to make sure we celebrate every facet of our Blackness. They are dedicated to supporting Black businesses, Black success in the making, and each moment along the journey that helps us get there. excited for today's guest and I cannot wait for the conversation we are about to have. You may remember Kiersey from her breakout performance as Diggy, the easygoing tomboy in the film Dope. And frankly, that's exactly what she is. The actress, singer, and producer has been on our screens pushing boundaries of representation in shows like Easy and Transparent and films like Hearts Beat Loud, and the upcoming thriller, Antebellum, out August 21st. Kiersey, welcome to Go Off, sis. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really nervous. I've never done a podcast before. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. This is, <laughs> you, are, you are surrounded by family. We mean it when we say sis. That means family. So we are, I want you to be comfortable. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that you are not new to this. You are true to this. You've been in the entertainment industry for over a decade, from Disney to Dope to Transparent to Netflix is easy. And now with Annabellum, what about Annabellum kind of stands out for you? Well, when we filmed it, it fit into my life because I had gone into that year saying, I'm not going to make any shitty movies this year. <laughs> and I'm only going to do what I would be so proud of doing mm. and could do with so much pride. And Antebellum was the only thing that I did that year. And it was because it was the only thing that spoke to me. And I think that the feeling the movie brings, it will be one of the only, like one of the, the few artistic things that's kind of tangible that Black people in America will be able to get their hands on and also feel that feeling. I love that you set that intention and that it was like, this is a thing that meets my standards. Like we were just talking about boundaries and I love that you you set that for yourself. You were like, this is yeah. this is the goal that I want and this is the standard that I'm setting and I'm not, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to compromise on that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you feel like the film, you know, is really appropriate for the conversation we're having today? Well, the conversations that we're having in Antebellum are conversations that we've always been having in our circles. And it's kind of scary, right? To like watch white people pay attention. Mm. Yes. <laughs> to put it in simpleton mm, terms. That's real. Ooh. It's, it's kind of frightening. And I think that's really interesting in correlation to Antebellum because Antebellum is a scary movie. I do consider, I, I think that they are calling it a thriller, a horror, even though so much of what is terrifying about it is based in reality. Mm. Mm. I mean, it is so appropriate to what 
is like you said, now it feels like white people are paying attention, but we've been talking about this. Yeah. I mean, my mother is white and even the ways in which like I'm watching her have realizations. And I think that that's interesting that it didn't take having black children to have a realization, but it took like a literal uprising and a revolution, which is really weird. That's fine. We're unpacking that. I love my mom. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's what I mean by it's frightening is that it's like everyone's switches got turned on or something Mm. like that. Mm. It's really bizarre or they got unplugged or something. Well, it's interesting we're talking about intentions because it does seem like as you've matured, you know, so have the roles that you're you're taking. And you're adding your voice to these like really complex stories about sexuality and race now with antebellum. So did those roles inform your life or was it the other way around? And how has your personal identity kind of shifted as you approach your work? It's always been really like beautifully intertwined for me. I think that even if we go back to talking about dope and where I felt as a person at that time, like, I don't think I would have questioned my sexuality as much if journalists literally were not asking me about it. Mm. And so sometimes those things really do cross over for me and it's always give and take, you know, but then there's obviously situations where with things like antebellum or dope, for example, or even hearts beat loud, there was studying that you do and therefore you learn <laughs> just from studying and prepping for a project. But it's always give and take. But it's interesting because, you know, you said that you started questioning your sexuality because journalists were asking you. Now you are this like vocal queer black woman who is like this incredible role model that we're so proud of. And you are now also pretty vocal about your own relationship and you're showing this like healthy queer relationship. So can you talk about why you're being so open and, and how that's that's been for you? I mean, I think just a draw, there's a tension drawn just because we don't have as many examples at the forefront of queer marriages like Brad, Angelina and whatever and so forth. Not to say that me and my partner are Brad and Angelina's comparable, <laughs> but it just kind of happened naturally because naturally I upload photos to Instagram and things like that. And so it just became something people asked me about. And it felt like normally it would be in my personality to back away and be a lot more private and be like, I'm not going to talk about my relationship, but the gain that someone could get from me being open about my relationship with a queer person and being, well, me also being queer, being in this queer relationship, like that gain is worth my privacy. And that's why I just handed it over. But like now I'm talking about it all of the time and I'm like, all right, (laughs) what have I done? (laughs) I love that. When do you feel like it's worth it? I love that you said like that gain is worth my privacy, like sort of balancing out these things. Like, you know, how do you make that decision? How do you decide, you know, this is the boundary I'm setting or or this feels worth it. So I'm going to do this instead. Mm. I think that sometimes I just push boundaries because it gives me control over the problems in my life and I need to work on that. Sis, you are speaking. I feel attacked. That was loud. (laughs) Yes. Can you please turn that down? I see you. 
what do you think Hollywood has been doing in the past few years to shift that representation? And how do you see yourself as part of that or, or even outside of it? I feel like there could always be more representation. Um, Mm -hmm. Like even when you read the articles that give the breakdown of like predicted Oscar nominees, the amount of white cis presenting masculine people on that list is just, it's so insane that it makes you go, oh my God, we're not as progressive as like we're pretending to be, at least on my end in Hollywood and being an actor. And I don't know, I feel like I run out of content really easily as well. Like stuff that makes me feel seen or just feels more relatable and therefore is more entertaining. Like the content is so small. It's not, when you actually look at things, if you actually watch everything, I guess, it's just so much white folk. (laughs) It's so much straight people or straight people playing queer people, which is like, I don't know, that person could also be queer and I'm not aware, but it's this thing of where are all of my friends that have been hustling for so long? Like, Mm. why are we not all up there? Mm, Right. I want to go back to the like cis male, you know, masculine presenting people, Mm -hmm. especially white, that are playing queer roles. So queer actors playing queer roles. This is like Mm -hmm. a conversation dominating your industry right now. Mm -hmm. We are not seeing it as much as we should, but I want to know what conversations you're having and what you think needs to change with that moving forward. Well, it's a difficult conversation because the conversation is then that one has to be out Mm. and like, who am I to demand that you be out to play a queer person, you know? And so that's the conversation. And that conversation is confusing and difficult and gray and so be it. I think there's obviously more obvious issues such as cis people playing trans people. I mean, what are we doing? Um, (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And the people that are just so wrong and strong about that. So strong. I mean, I think that you are in your own way existing as like an, an ally, as an activist. We've talked about this a lot. You know, I think activism can be so many different things. And sometimes it's just how we exist and how we speak and how and what we acknowledge. But, you know, as as we talk about, like, you know, these important voices and conversations and making room for LGBTQIA plus community, what's important for you in this moment to share and to represent just as an individual? Mm. It's a pandemic. I mean, right now at this very moment, I am just like riding the wave Mm. and going in and out of what feels like consciousness, but that's just me being dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just you. Don't worry. (laughs) And I love what you say about riding the wave because I Mm. think we so rarely give ourselves the permission to even do that. So how do you give yourself the permission to just, like you say, you're like, it's a pan, like you literally saying it's a pandemic. I'm like, dang, it is. 
Like, what do you want me to do? Because my literal well-being is at stake if I don't. Like, to not ride the wave and to force myself into some emotion or stability is a joke. And as far as I'm concerned, I am healthy and I have time. So how can I make the most of my time? And I make the most of my time by leaning into what I'm feeling. It's just that I feel like I hate the feeling of life like moving really quickly and me trying to play catch up. Mm. And the best way to avoid that feeling is to write it. Mm. Mm. Tell us a little bit about what that process is like for you. When when do you realize that? What do you say to yourself? Well, sometimes it's just a mess over here. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just be staring at the ceiling fan and <laughs> really trying to sort it all out. You know what? It's so hard. I don't know. I feel like light bulbs just go off for some of us at certain times. Like you get triggered, you have a moment and it's this cycle, right? You live through it and then... I've just made the choice to do the work to focus on that thing instead of just putting it to the side and moving past it. Like just dealing with as it comes allows you to work through it. Then I can, you know, figure out what boundary I want to set somewhere else and then create a problem over there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that I'm just like doing the easiest. To be honest, I feel like whatever I'm doing is like the most efficient thing for me. And has and is like, the one way that I've decided to go about my life that has taken less effort. That's it. Mm. <laughs> and and when you say effort and when you, you're sort of thinking about the things that take less effort or, or give you energy or even restore that cup, what does that yeah. look like for you? Maybe I shouldn't have used the word effort. The things that are costly, I avoid having to give so much of myself away that I don't want to give away, you know, instead of just in the moment staying true to my purpose. And like, the thing is that if you're standing super strong in your ground and all hell is breaking loose around you, the stillness that you are in which you are like a tree trunk and your leaves are blowing in the wind is so liberating and actually makes the disaster feel really good. (laughs) But also I'm just a kook. So, but I also, I'm so here for that analogy. (laughs) Like, yeah, um, I feel like you hear that or like you see photographs and with these analogies that are beautiful and you're like, that's bull. But when you actually just shortcut to that and you really close your eyes and think about it and you just lean into life, like you said before, not white girl lean in, when you really lean into it, it just makes for a better ride. (laughs) Mm. I love what you're saying also just about the distinction between what it looks like to lean in as a person of color Mm -hmm. uh, and what it looks like to lean in as a woman and as a black woman and uh, as part of different communities. But you also mentioned that you have a white mother and you're having these conversations with her now. What does that sort of look like for you when when you are leaning into different communities and having those conversations? It's exhausting. You know, it's part of what just like makes me feel pooped. Like, (laughs) and it's interesting because when you talk about that wave, I feel like a lot of Black people are currently feeling this weight and Black femmes as well. Like the 
weight that Black Femmes must be feeling, the way that I'm feeling of just, I am tired. And now tired is becoming this thing. I also don't like to admit that I am. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I want I want to yeah. be invigorated the way that white people are right now. Because when you think about it, it's like that scary thing I was talking about of like, I'm really going to let you lead this because I'm kind of scared because you were listening to me last year and now you're listening and I'm supposed to take a nap while you do the work. I don't right. know. Right. Mm, and I'm yeah. supposed to say thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one said that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, again, going back to this idea of Black women being essential, like we've been trying to get y'all to listen to us. And now all of a sudden, when we are tired, you're like, lead us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exhausting. And it's like, Mm. like, and but then you're also being like, oh, but get some rest. And it's like, I don't even trust you to do the work. (laughs) So it's hard. You're going to be on watch? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I I feel like I'm going to wake up and my arm's going to be, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's not going to be a good situation when I open my eyes. You're afraid you're going to wake up and your arms are going to be tied down. It's so true. The threat is so real. And that's what I mean by it's a pandemic. Like, there are threats everywhere. And come on, we're tired. It is what it is. So, but you know, nonetheless, I washed my face and I'm here and talking to people and putting myself in situations that maybe I'm like not, not naturally inclined to be in. And guess what? I'm loving it. Like Mm. I'm tired and I'm here and I'm loving talking to you guys and it feels good and I'm relaxed and it was a good choice because I lead in. Yes. yes. Look. Well, speaking of washing your face, because you like look radiant. Not that that matters, but look, sometimes it, it helps. Thank you so much. Sometimes yeah. it helps. <laughs> Let's talk about some of this glow when you are mm-hmm. taking that pause, or when you do scale back and say, "Sis, this is my boundary. It's set." What does that self care routine or that break or mental health practice look like for you? Well, I've just picked up golfing. Mm. Your girl is golfing. Well, my girlfriend was going golfing a lot. And I was like, there's just no way you'll ever get me to go. Like, I could care less. And then another friend and her partner was like, let's go golfing. So, you know, the crew's like, let's go golfing. So I'm not going to be like, let's not. (laughs) I'm like, okay, let's go golfing. And we get there. And I just had so much fun. And let me tell you though, I'm kind of good. So I found out that I'm kind of good at something I didn't know that I was kind of good at. Um, And it makes me feel good about myself. It's a confidence booster. So yeah, like when I want to feel like a baddie, I go to the golf course. Come on. I love that. Yeah. I have cute dresses, but can I tell you, niggas be at the golf course. (laughs) The golf course is just, it's, I don't know why we're not all talking about it. I am flabbergasted, as you can tell. I feel like this needs to change after this episode goes live. (laughs) Like, I love that that is the space you go to to feel like a baddie. Like, that is dope. I should have worn my golf outfit. I bought a cute visor so I can have my hair out with my visor. I like, you know, do like a Princess Diana thing and I have like my tennis dress and my, 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 my golf sandals. I mean, 
I love Can it. we just have a moment for the fashions with the self-care? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, where are we getting dressed to go? Right, no, like, I'm showing out at the golf course. <laughs> That's been my self-care right now. And just like having routines of, we have so much time to do our hair now. And that's been fun. I just like live with deep conditioner in my hair, masks on. It's a pandemic. That's the shirt. It's a pandemic. <laughs> it's a pandemic. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about one life that you might be taking on that is like against type. It's uh, Lauren Simmons. She's the youngest ever black female trader at the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. Is that project, like I know that that was been in the works for a while. You're set to produce and star in it. Where's that? Well, right now, um, we have a director. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And I'm so afraid to say it out loud because I love her so much and I don't want it to go away. But that's what we've been working on for so long is finding the perfect director. And that's why I'm so excited because obviously I knew that we had to have a Black director. a black female director and we're busy like I will say and really about a lot of the black women out here directing films or writing these films and to bring someone on to do this project with me is just gonna have to be fully in it with me and fight with me not to be dramatic but I want to make the movie that I know I want to make and I don't want to compromise. Yeah, that's the place I'm not going to compromise. So I'm really excited because I kind of have my team partner now. And Lauren's really great. I want Lauren Simmons to feel like, you know how in the early 2000s there was all the rom-coms and white people got fed their like dream stories and somehow we found ourselves in them in some capacity. Like I want it to feel that type of joy but it probably won't be a rom-com in my wildest dreams. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're speaking mm. to my soul. Yeah. I, I, love a rom-com. <laughs> I also love the idea of like, you know, we found ourselves in so many movies that didn't represent us. And like, I kind of like the idea of that going the opposite way, right? Like who's to say that white kids can't see themselves in our rom-coms or in our movies? Or, yeah. Uh, when, they totally uh, can. Yes. yes. It's our moment. It's our moment. Yes. It's our moment. Kiersey, we cannot thank you enough for joining. If we had an empty cup, it is now full because hashtag it's a pandemic, y'all. So ride the wave. The Go Off Sis podcast is a Refinery29 original. It's produced by Chelsea Sanders, Rashad Isaac, and myself, Danielle Cadet. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Chelsea Sanders and Kathleen newman Bramay. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. <laughs> <laughs>